podcast is brought to you by Zinc. Zinc is an all-in-one background and reference checking software that supercharges the capabilities of ambitious HR and hiring teams. Our range of integrated solutions turn bad to brilliant, saving weeks of team time all while building brand love. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups, the show for growing businesses moving at the speed of light. I'm your host, Sophie Power. Welcome back to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups. Thank you for joining. Today is a really special episode that I've been really, really looking forward to. Um, we're joined here today by Rohan Kalacharan, who is currently at Carbon Clean and also a trustee for Mind Mental Health Charity. Hi, Rohan. Welcome to the episode. Hello, Sophie. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, I am really excited to have a conversation about mental health. I think it's really important. and very timely there's a lot going on in the world at the moment um and it feels like it's been non-stop unprecedented times i miss precedented times but it will be it's particularly interesting i think for folks in scale-ups startups and small fast-growing businesses as well because it's i think often an area that's overlooked um so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to to having a chat with you about it likewise Cool. So thinking then just about kind of, um, uh, you know, sort of kicking things off and, and introducing yourself, it'd be, you know, you're very open and authentic online. And uh, certainly for my part, um, you know, for and, and, you know, those of us who, who need to kind of see that and realise we're not the only ones, thank you. Um, it's your, your openness and authenticity uh, when speaking about mental health, um, you know, both personally and, you know, in the workplace as well. It's, it's something I've always admired. And it's also something I, I and I think others as well have found difficult to to kind of emulate that openness, that willingness to, to sort of speak out about it. Um, and so I thought before we dive into speaking more specifically about the obvious topics like mental health at work, mental health and scale-ups, mental health in HR. Um, it would be lovely if you could maybe, for the audience, give a, a little introduction to yourself and it would be lovely to hear, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing, what inspires you to be so open about your your mental health? Of course, of course. So, um, you know, as you said, I'm, uh, I'm the uh, Director of People and Talent at Carbon Clean. Um, uh, we are, um, uh, as the name suggests, in the uh, climate uh, climate change space. We are rapidly uh, rapidly scaling. Um, so um, I suppose that's 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 my relevance for being here from an HR perspective. <laughs> um, I uh, I've also um, uh, scaled um, uh, within the tech space. Um, firstly at Receipt Bank and then uh, Benevolent AI. Initially in talent acquisition before making that transition um, across into HR. Of course, well-being is a huge part of uh, of what I do and uh, the engagement which comes. Um, with that well-being piece so you know from a professional perspective it's um, uh, you know mental health is something that's absolutely on my radar from a personal perspective there's um, there is a long backstory Um, I'm uh, you know I'm 48 years um, 48 years old now my memory uh, conveniently uh, going then but I uh, I lived for a long period of time uh, between age 17 and uh, 32 um with undiagnosed uh mental illness um and that was at a time where societally we didn't have open conversations it really was a very uh taboo uh subject mental health not something that we uh, that we spoke about at all um and that um that led to um multiple attempts um on my own life prior to um, actually getting the diagnosis um, of bipolar disorder. Um, And it was very much that 
I, I say last last chance scenario. I feel that's really where I was. Um, uh, you know, I think the the first two attempts on my life, I I describe as cries for help. Um, but back in those days, help wasn't forthcoming, and no one was prepared to have that conversation with you. Um, I didn't know anything was wrong. All I knew was, well, I knew something was wrong, but I had no idea what it was. I thought it was just me. Um, uh, you know, the symptoms of um, bipolar, as it would turn out to be, as I said. Um, if you if you read through them, they just look like a long list of antisocial behaviour in many respects. And I, I say that with a little bit of mischief because, you know, if I look at my main symptoms, often I would just, you know, go into an absolute rage, but an irrational one. Um, I would spend absolutely recklessly. Um, I mean, to the point where um, I think I spent £900 of a student loan in three hours back in 1992 to do that at HMV in Burton menswear. That was quite that was quite um, an achievement, to be honest. Um, uh, and then, you know, beyond that, there would be just very agitated moods, almost hyper. I mean, in hypermania, you would just believe in a way you were untouchable. So, you know, I'd be committing to things which I could never follow through on. I, there were times when I wouldn't sleep for three or four days. So the whole cycle of mania um was just to anyone else looking in very difficult to understand and a lot of the time it just looked like you know really reckless behaviors you would take risks with your health you were were just elevated there was no sense of fear no sense of risk no sense of repercussion um everything was just heightened and done in a reckless uh, manner but then what would happen you would go down I say you I would go down into a depressive episode uh, typically soon after so you know I'd go from not being able to sleep for three or four days and being constantly on the move constantly agitated um, overly um, extroverted to being uh, this person who would lock himself away in a room for um, you know days on end and, and couldn't face anyone. And again, to the outside world, all that really looked like was um, someone who was behaving recklessly, couldn't deal with the consequences and was hiding away. Ult ultimately, that's, that's what it looked like. So, you know, when the world told me that it was me, I listened to the world. Um, and I did. Um, you know, I think back in uh, back in sixth form, I I asked doctors for help. I asked teachers for help, and you know, they they all said, oh, look, don't worry. You're just a young man. Um, you know, you, you're growing up. Your parents are going through a divorce. You'll soon be uh, going away to university. Just hold on. Just man up. You'll be fine. Um, and I do use the word man up uh, deliberately um, there. And, and believe me, I don't think any of it was said with malice. Um, it was always just, you'll, you'll be fine. There's nothing really wrong with you. Nothing that won't just heal itself in uh in 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 a couple of um in a in a couple of days couple of weeks couple of years whatever it may be sadly it was a couple of decades um and the reality was untreated it just got worse and worse and worse the episode became more acute and they became closer compacted together so whilst i may have initially if i don't know if there's any runners or cyclists listening you hear that phrase undulating. I never believe undulating because it still normally means bloody hilly. But undulating normally means it just goes gently up and down. So early on in the illness, that's what it was. But untreated, it soon became much more dangerous because it became rapid cycling and you were just constantly up and down, up and down, up and down. And it's just exhausting to live with. Um, mania is one of the most exhausting things. In fact, you, you ask anyone who lives with, um, you know, a mood-related illness, mania is horrible, and you come off, you come out of mania, and you just feel exhausted because it takes every bit of energy almost just to stay alive. Um, 
and you know as i said i i was one of the lucky ones um and we we you know we talk about hr um we talk about um uh, scale ups whatever you do have an employee assistance program massive because my mum's eap saved my life because it would have taken me months to get um uh, counseling and therapy through um uh, the nhs but mum having an eap which allowed me to have some sessions on it that was the one thing I look back on which really kept me alive at a moment of acute illness. And it was, you know, it was that um, uh, therapist who, um, after a couple of months, um, when those sessions had, had expired, for want of a better way of putting it, he actually referred me to mind. Um, and that was a turning point in my life. Um, it was it was a change because mind were the ones who they first of all they introduced me to a peer group um and suddenly you know i realized it's not just me who's going through this total chaos um we still weren't exactly sure what was what was wrong but i i suddenly i at least i didn't feel alone and then it was mine who managed to get me back into the nhs to get that diagnosis um and bipolar is a very very um dangerous illness i mean that that sounds like um, the most obvious phrase ever but it's got such a high death rate one in six men will take their own lives with um, uh, with bipolar type uh, type one and it's funny you you would never think um that you'd celebrate being diagnosed with um that type of illness but i really did i um i didn't quite jump around the room but i did um you know, I put, I, I suddenly kind of like smiled because I got home and that night for the first time in, you know, 15, 16 years, I looked in the mirror and I smiled at that person. Um, and I smiled, loved and looked at, looked in the mirror with compassion where for 15, 16 years, there'd only been hatred. And I could, I could overcome an illness but I couldn't have lived a day longer with being someone who I didn't know, I didn't understand and absolutely detested and frankly was scared of. I was scared of my own shadow. Um, and finally having that understanding and knowledge of, uh, of everything that was going on, that just, it totally liberated me. Um, and mind, you know, again, they, they, they educated me, they educated the people around me in terms of, you know, coping strategies um in terms of you know what living with um you know bipolar disorder or manic depression as it was still um glibly referred to back in those days um looked like and you know i can only describe it as having having knowledge having hope and having dignity and those three things i'd never had i'd not had those as an adult um, and I'm, I was so grateful for that. And that was the impact that mind had, in, had on my life back then. And, you know, that was 2007, 2008. Um, and I went away um, and I was able for the first time in my adult life, age 33, to actually hold down employment. I'd not been able to hold down a job because when you're in depression or manic, you can't. When I was in manic, I couldn't go to work or if I did I was in danger of doing something really stupid if I was in depressive episode I didn't go to work so ultimately I would you know my I mean I, it's ironic working in HR now but my attendance record it probably wasn't the best I promise you that um and it was it's kind of like HR you know HR and my manager they probably wanted to help me but it's kind of like so why aren't you at work um don't know um got drunk last night and now I don't feel like going out anywhere again i go back to that whole piece in terms of what the symptoms look like how they present and actually what they meant i just didn't know what they meant i only knew what they looked like um and you know that that was that was always such a confusion as well so you know finally being able to hold down work do the normal things um and i don't like to use the word normal but do the things which most people take for granted i being able to hold down a job, being able to pay the rent, although 
obviously we're going to talk about the cost of living crisis and uh, that's going to become a real challenge for people you know feed myself go a week without having some kind of breakdown or break up um just live with a semblance of calm um and you know that 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 was it was it was such a blessing and um you know that that was when i went into uh, agency recruitment um uh, so i um that's that's how i started my journey um and you know it kept me focused it kept me it kept me busy I, having targets gave me something to really focus on away from away from illness and so on and so forth now you know in those days of course recruitment could be really soci- sociable let's let's put it that way and i had to work really hard as someone you know wi- living with bipolar to really moderate my own um uh, behavior but you know it was something that i i'm i look back on now i was i'm i'm really proud i was able to do but i'm 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 honest at that particular point in time i didn't tell anyone uh, i i was still living in that bubble of i knew my mum knew and a handful if that of really close friends knew but as far as i was concerned nobody else needed to know um you know i'm making i'm building new friendships i'm i'm holding my life together somehow um and that that's that's all good um but you know i think over a period of time you realize that actually you're you're denying a big part of yourself you know i i was denying people knowing who i really was and i was denying myself who i really was um and I remember I was I was sat in church actually um, on World Mental Health Day, um, so it, you know obviously coming up, um, and that was in 2009. Uh, so you know I'd been well, I suppose you know about three and a, three and a bit years. I'd been working for three and a bit years. I, I, I was my life was in so so different a place, but I knew something was missing. And I, I remember hearing uh, someone talk about, you know, mental health and talking about the counseling services that they they were setting up um, in, in the local community. And I just, I, at that moment, I felt convicted. I felt, I felt absolutely convicted that actually, number one, I couldn't hide, I couldn't hide myself anymore because that wasn't healthy. Um, but also I just felt that I had a journey which I felt duty bound to share with others um, and, you know, just really try and bring some hope to uh, to others who might be uh, living through living through that journey themselves. And that's when I reached back out to mind and, uh, you know, I started um, uh, doing some uh, blogging on their website when blogging was um, a thing i mean it still is actually on their website and some of the content is really good um i'd recommend for professionals and on a personal level um, uh, reading some of the stuff they've got going on um but it, you know it was really at, at that point where it was i was scared because it was still something that we didn't talk about openly we didn't talk about it and you know i remember pressing the button on that first uh, piece of content and I, I just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to sleep now and just hope nobody reads it. And you know, over the weeks ahead, I, I received so many encouraging messages um, from people who I'd really let down in the past with, or certainly my illness had let them down. I don't, I don't like to say I'd let them down, but in moments of manic or depressed depression, I, you know, my actions had really hurt and upset people. I, I don't hide from that. Um, and I, I received, you know, a couple of messages that were that were so warm and encouraging. Um, you know, that that again gave me the impetus to, um, you know, really continue to engage with Mind and Time to Change, which was the, you know, their campaign of which Mind Rethink um, and some of the other mental health charities, um, uh, you know, were a part. Really aimed at breaking down the stigma. And if we look at it now, that's that's what we've really been able to achieve to such a high point. 
and by the way, there's still a long, long, long way to go. But you know, if I if I if I look at it, we're talking about mental health in schools. We're talking about mental health in the workplace. We're talking about mental health as men at football games. We're talking about mental health in sport. So many of the communities which we could not, you couldn't imagine ever talking about mental health, we are talking about mental health. Now, we still have a huge amount of work to do to challenge the very clear links between mental health and race, mental health and poverty. Um, and I'm absolutely driven and committed to um, work in those uh, work, work in those areas. Um, but you know, when I look at the bigger picture, from where I, you know, from where we were when I was at my most ill, and I had absolutely nowhere to go, and no, no way in which I felt I could speak. I think the way that we've transformed the landscape and the dialogue around mental health in this country, I think is phenomenal. Yeah, it's, uh, thank you. It's some of the things that you talked about really resonate on a personal level. Um, so I, I am 32, I'm 33 in, I think about two weeks at the time of recording. Um, and <laughs> wasn't a hint, but thank you anyway. Um, but yes, I mean, I earlier this year was, was diagnosed with autism uh, last September. So about a year ago um, now, I I was diagnosed with ADHD and some of the things that you're describing and the things that I've, I've struggled with, uh, you know, particularly in my 20s, um, the lack of self-awareness, the very high highs that come with that huge dopamine rush when you get a new job and hyper-focus on it and it's the most exciting new thing followed by the horrendous crash um, once that wears off and your brain goes, no, I don't know how to, to make you want to, to get out of bed anymore. Um, you know, I ended up, frankly, if I'm being really honest, um, I ended up becoming a contractor to try and work with that. Um, so I, I gave up on having a permanent job for a very long time and I thought it was something I'd never be able to do because I didn't know why. But once I got to the six month mark, I started to really struggle in jobs and I couldn't work out why. And so last year getting uh, an ADHD diagnosis made such a difference. I suddenly realized there wasn't something wrong with me. I wasn't broken. Um, I understood why, you know, I'd, uh, you know, sort of do really impulsive things, the spending crikey, um, why I'd, you yeah. know, oh, I've, I've just lost my job, but I know I'm gonna pack up my entire flat, sell everything I own australia for a year why not yeah and it's 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 take it's taken me until you know the last few years to to overcome the debt um, yeah. that, that came that, yeah that came i've with spent that. a good five years just doing nothing solidly paying off um the debts i'd racked up and then getting the diagnosis it's that uh, it brought for me personally and it's a very different you know it's it's a very different sort of thing but that that self-awareness that you touched on uh, it brought me a real sense of like calm um and understanding and and being able to sort of recognize what's happening when i'm starting to you know sort of feel a particularly strong way or the other or understanding you know the way i'm feeling so true it's it's so you know true. you're okay you're going off in this direction and we know what happens when you do that so let's just you know have you know take some time for self-care let's talk to a, a trusted friend let's um you know I, you know there was a time in my life when i was on the phone pretty much daily to the samaritans and and you know they're a charity i absolutely adore because they you know really brought me through some difficult times i'm 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 so i you know i'm so sad that you have been on that journey but i'm also so humbled um that you feel able to share it and i i, I think that you know it will help so many people yeah i noticed um i was very nervous to first start talking about my diagnosis and i've definitely not gone into it. it's probably the most detailed i've ever gone into it super publicly but i noticed i i wrote a blog um about it uh yeah. just posted it on my linkedin and i had so many mostly women 
um, reach out to me and say, oh my God, I've been thinking about this myself. Um, what do I do? Like, who can I talk to? Where can I go? Um, and it's, it's share, you know, sort of sharing and being more open. And I went out for, you know, I went out for lunch with a mate of mine, um, also a recruiter and HR person. Um, I, you know, I do have other friends. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we went out for lunch and we're having a chat. And uh, he just sort of said, you know, what the most wonderful thing is, is that we can just talk about going to therapy um you know i don't have to be ashamed anymore that i'm seeing a therapist i can just talk about it and it's normal now and it's just oh, wonderful. so true so true and i you know i i, I can you know speak from very recent experience um uh, you know just last weekend and um i've i've not had what i would describe as a manic episode for at least six seven years um you know i've I've got I've got a huge awareness of myself. I've got a great network of people around me. I've had a great therapist at different times that I've you know when I've when I've needed to inverted commas dip in and out. Um, and yeah, I've had I have had a couple of periods during that period where anxiety and depression um, had had. But I think actually, if I'm totally honest, and I know we're going to speak about this, um, uh, that was related to burnout um it it was related to burnout and burnout can be the most immense trigger for you know all kinds of um wider symptoms but definitely anxiety and depression um often come into come into play but i've not had any kind of um you know episodes of mania and uh, there's been a hell of a lot going on uh, you know um in in my life this this year um some great but some of it very very challenging and it's just been a period of um i'm being on the go what you know 100 and it's just been 150 mile an hour relentless and um i was uh, you know i was in paris for the um for the european cup the uh, the champions league final um as a as a liverpool supporter and um was was caught up in uh, some of the the well documented um uh, treatment of uh, supporters by um uh, you know by the parisian police and um the dangerous situation that we found ourselves in i, th I think mentally that really impacted me um i've had a pretty difficult um uh, situation that i've been managing uh, over a period of uh, months in the workplace and all that takes itself into every other angle of your life you you get to the point where you you're absolutely exhausted and it's funny i didn't really notice it but over thursday and friday suddenly my heart rate was quicker my speech was quicker i'm typically um i'm i'm typically the deep introvert so whenever we'll have visitors around my wife will be the one making a conversation and i'll just be slowly warming up and uh, you know quietly adding value where uh, where i can but I, w I was suddenly leading at the heart of um, every conversation. Um, I was, um, you know, coming up with some fairly insane ideas. Uh, one of them being that, uh, despite the fact that I'm uh, just recovering from a torn Achilles tendon, that um, I'd walked the London Marathon this weekend, um, uh, whilst the physio had uh, clearly said, um, "Let's have a little break at the moment." Things which, again, reckless, irrational, but I didn't, I, I didn't really pick any of it up and it was on saturday morning i was traveling um by train um up to birmingham to see family and um i was irrationally angry in the morning just really frustrated agitated um i remember getting towards the train station um and it, all of a sudden it just kind of like hit me the neurological pieces of uh, of of mania um of just understanding actually I do, my, my heart's going 100 miles an hour. My head just feels a bit light. Nothing feels in in control. Um, and it was, I, I couldn't, um, my wife was ill um, and on my instruction had gone to sleep and turned her phone off. Um, so I couldn't get hold of her. And for all the ills of social media, and there are many, I, it was just one of those. It was on to uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, right? Um, I'm, I'm having a really, I'm having a bit of a wobble here. Um, and that's it, nothing more. And uh, my phone went off um, 
boom, 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 boom. Um, and, uh, you know, what I look back on it now, it was uh, they say that men don't talk um, about these things. Um, and, you know, it was all of my mates from football, all my mates going from the game were, were messaging kind of like, are you all right? What can we do? How can we support you best? Um, and it's kind of like, actually, you don't need to do anything. Just you kind of like reaching out to me here is just bringing me down. Um, and ultimately, I almost call it, it was almost a pre-manic episode. And it was almost one that we were able to cut off at source because I was able to tell people about it. And my friends were able to just give me that reassurance. Um, and, you know, I think, and I actually, you've not asked me to segue in, but I think it's a neat opportunity to segue into as HR people people what does it look like within within the workplace um you know i i do a lot of public speaking um you know as a trustee of mind as a workplace well-being practitioner as um an inside out leaderboard um uh, role model i do a lot of um public speaking in this area and one of the questions we we always ask get asked is well actually how do i support someone with them uh, who's who's living with a mental health problem the best news is all you have to do is be human um all you have to do is be human because we we've gone ourselves into this whole whole um panic of thinking well i've got to fix them crikey please don't try and fix anyone you're not broken no first and foremost it's an awful phrase but but ultimately actually there are many more qualified people than us to provide that therapy, provide that healing, provide the professional support that people will often need. Our job is to be human beings. Our job is to to listen, to yeah. reassure, to be open about what support we can give in terms of that and that, um, pointing at my ear and shoulder for anyone who's listening and uh, not uh, not watching, um, you know, it's to provide that, to provide signposting to the right right support. So, for example, here at um, Carbon Clean, we um, we do have a partnership with Mind, which means we've got branded um, booklets for managers, for colleagues around, you know, a number of uh, mental health conditions. Um, so that uh, people can go on the intranet and just download those booklets in the first place. So support for managers, support for colleagues. How do we um, help people? We've got our mental health first aiders. Um, you know, we've got our employee assistance program. We've got, you know, so many different things that people can, um, you know, refer to. But above all, what we have is good people who are able to look out for each other, listen to each other and support each other. And, you know, I, I, I always, I, I always say, um, to, to, to managers, ultimately listen, and then you don't have to provide the solutions, you know, just make sure that you're a trusted confidant, and then you can refer up to the people team, you can refer to the employee assistance program, whatever you need to do, but ultimately our job's to be a trusted confidant. Um, and the other thing, of course, you know, if, and I think talking particularly about scale up here, we, um, we've got such demanding targets at times. Um, we've got such demanding objectives to achieve. We're also often under-resourced um, because we're continually growing. We're continually growing to reach next year's next year's growth target. And ultimately, what we what we have, and there's there's certain business areas where I've seen this in uh, more often than not. And I, yeah, I remember anecdotally, um, you know, sp- speaking. Um, Fortunately, this wasn't an organization that I worked for, but I was speaking at an organization where we were speaking, you know, talking about, you know, putting in 
the right well-being protection for people, having um, having having uh, you know the right support in place. And I remember speaking to a sales director there, and they were kind of like, "Yeah, I'm I'm all for um, people um, uh, looking after their mental health," but and it, the thing is, she wasn't joking um, when she said kind of like they've got to hit their targets first and then they can have as much time off as they need i'm just so looking thinking i'm i'm genuinely you really did just say that and you weren't you weren't being ironic were you i didn't say it back to her um i wish i had um but i was i was almost too dumbstruck to have the conversation at, at that point in time yeah i'm not surprised and and the reality is that that's an extreme situation however when we talk about building well-being culture within an organization mm. there's two aspects to it it's built from the ground up it's built for, by the ground up because it is owned by your people and your people have to you have to empower as a people team we empower our people we drive the culture which allows open conversation it removes fear it removes barriers to openness and honesty. So we own the culture. Our people own the dialogue. But most importantly, senior leadership have to sponsor the agenda. Yeah. They have to demonstrate its credibility because actually what's the point in us in as a people team saying we're going to do this this and this for you you've got you know you've got all the well-being resources in the world um but as soon as you're in crisis you're then being told well actually i need you to do this i need you to do that and actually this isn't acceptable yeah. you have to live out your actions you, you have to you have to live out your actions have to reflect what you say you're going to do and you're only going to be able to live those out if they're actually totally led by your leadership group yeah for sure it's and it's so easy to to sort of think about when you're thinking about being in a scale up in a startup in, a, in a, any business yeah. that's growing really fast we don't have time for this but you always have time for this it is much easier to support your employee uh redistribute the work and say right go look after number one um and this is what this is some of the ways that you can do that and you know then it is to you know sort of just expect them to carry on um and i've i've, I've had teams before um come to me and say you know you know in scale ups and sort of say as a as a people to me as a people professional like i can't i can't do this anymore like i, I need a break or i'm going to break it's just yes take a break right okay this is what we're going to do did you can you can do this 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 and this and so for some people particularly younger people in startups which you know and and there are a lot of, of young people in startups and scale-ups um you know they don't even know all of the options available to them like i've spoken to people who didn't know that they could talk to their gp and get signed off and that they'd get yeah. you know a company sick pay um I've had people who didn't know th that there was an EAP for them to use and, and that the EAP came with counselling sessions and, you know, all of, all of that. They're, they're often scared to access EAP because they don't realise how confidential it is. Exactly. Um, it, it's so, so true. And look, we, as, as people leaders, we have to read the room. We have to read the room and we spend too much time in denial of the room because it's too easy to say the room will look after itself but we need to hit this target mm. and what happens is the, the room is suddenly crumbling the room is the room is crumbling and you have to you have to listen to those small noises of feedback those noises which say i'm exhausted i'm out on my feet you know when i when i when i come in and you know if i if i see someone who is here because i i i'm 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 here early and i leave late but that's basically because uh, i um i run in in the morning and i like to do it before there's too many people out and about and similarly um i try and avoid the uh, transport rush at the end of the day so um but you know if when i see what you know what are the signs that we should be looking for ultimately 
is someone working ridiculously long hours? Is someone demonstrating moods that they don't normally um, demonstrate? That could be, you know, sadness, anger. It could be extreme happiness. But, you know, is someone's behavior different from usual? Is someone more, you know, untidy than usual? You know, someone who typically would be the smartest groomed person um in in the business and i'm I'm talking as a bloke here who's suddenly got just unkempt stubble um all, all over the place does someone just look that that something's not right and we need to start looking at things like financial well-being it's kind of like you know is someone you know is there someone in the team who you know first week after payday when whenever they're in the office oh i know you're um you you know you'll you'll be at itsu those two days but by uh by the end of by the end of the month are they having lunch at all so are, you know are they managing their money now look let's be quite honest in most startups such as the war for talent at the moment um scale ups we're paying people fairly handsomely and I, I, let, let's cut to the chase here most of the people on this call will not necessarily be impacted by the cost of living crisis in the way that some in our local communities are around us. However, there are going to be several of you who are who are, who are listening who actually, yeah, I'm I'm on a salary and suddenly, although it's a good salary, my costs are going up, and what I get in is going down. Yeah. So how do I make this work? So it's. It's so holistic now, um, Sophie. You know, we're, we're not parents of our people. That's the one thing we're, we're not. But we are friends of our people. And we want to provide an environment in which they can thrive as human beings. And that does mean providing the environment in which we support them through life's journey. Because ultimately, we're making we're making too many assumptions. If we uh, start making the assumption, oh yeah, but they've you know they've they've got they've got a wife at home with a mortgage advisor. They you know they're going to have a joint bank. They they they've got all of they've they they're going to have um, their own health healthcare. They've got family around them. They've got this that and the other. And we're making huge assumptions that someone's not actually going home to an empty house where ultimately they um, may or may not decide to turn on the uh, energy because they're trying to uh, save every uh, bit of money that they can, that they're not going to be up working all night. And then when they're working from home uh, the next day, that they're not going to be logging on about five, six in the morning. This is just all of these things that we, we just need to be aware of. And we can't be frightened of asking the questions. We cannot be frightened of asking the questions. We've got to continue to ask the questions Um, because ultimately the worst that can happen is that people continue to say, no, I promise you I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I think as well, you've, you've touched on um, the energy crisis, the cost of living soaring um, and looking for those signs that people might be struggling financially. You know, I think it's, important to note for for those listening that you know there's a lot of shame tied to to poverty there's a lot of shame tied to debt um you know i've been in debt i've struggled to buy food in the past um you know it's there's so much shame tied to it um and it's it's important to create an environment where people feel safe sort of saying actually i'm i've got a lot going on out of work it's you know costs are going up I'm I'm anxious um you know I need you know either some support or you know even if not financial just that 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 you know human decent yeah. human being element is is really important just Absolutely. So you as an employee know that your employer gets that you're you know struggling a bit at the moment it's it's so important and it's not difficult to do either and and even if I've got if you know I may not have the power to um, bring forward their um, uh, salary and actually I shouldn't because ultimately it sets a precedent and you end up doing it for everyone but 
you do things within the scope of what you can do. And most importantly, we all have the power to be able to say, okay, here actually are the phone numbers of Citizens Advice Bureau yeah. or Debt Advice Line, and they can confidentially help you through whatever you might be going 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 through. And if you need two hours out of the working day to um, head off to a bank and have a chat with them, you take as long as you need. It's just creating an environment where you empower people um you know we've we've got to step away from you know you're right you're at your desk nine till five we work we, we live and work in a different um environment now yeah and sure we we still have our core hours 10 till four but around that people live their lives but we also live we you know we also have a workplace where I know I could turn around to um, my boss and say, actually, I've got a, I've, you know, I've got a medical appointment this afternoon, and you know, I'm going to book it as a half day, and he, he'll be looking and saying, um, why? Um, your HR, you set the right example, so you know, go off for a couple of hours, come back, and you, you know, make the hours, make the hours up whenever you need to. I know you work hard. Again. It's that whole element of being human and having empathy with people. Yeah, for sure. And it's certainly, you know, a precedent we try and, and set where we are here at Zinc as well and, and just make sure that, you know, over the course of a week, realistically, you know, sort of 10 minutes here and there or, you know, whatever, what's, what's an hour out to, to nip to the GP anyway? I I I'd much rather my team worked in a healthy way, yeah. which is going to keep them a lot happier, a lot more engaged, likely to stay here, a lot healthier, um, and a whole heap more productive. Um, I'm not going to achieve anything by creating an environment where they feel mentally unwell. Yeah, exactly. Um, so moving on slightly but on the same kind of lines um you know as as hr and and talent people and people people um you know we are sort of the the ones who uh, particularly in scaling businesses where you know sort of either non-tech or non-revenue generating teams do often run quite lean um you know we're the ones who who can kind of empower and help and support with with well-being um but that buck often stops at our door uh so that that brings up that question of, of sort of who helps the helpers it's, it's sprung up a lot um what ways do you make sure that yourself and the people people that that you manage get the same kind of support at work it's uh, an incredible question um look as, as i think there's there's a couple of couple of things i think first and foremost as a leader i i try and role model yeah. everything that that i believe in so I, i'm really open with with my team and say guys the expectations are absolutely high but constantly it's you know how are you what do you need from me how can i make your life easier how can I help you to deliver and stay healthy? So it's it's a constant dialogue and, and constant conversation so that, you know, we're not just leaving people to um to to to, to their own quiet quiet devices. But I, I think that 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 question of who's looking after the, the people people, it's so valid because you know the people team has become a counseling service. It's become an office service it's become you know a career development service it's a hiring service it's basically anything which isn't revenue generating ah let's 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 see if the people team um will will, will do it and ultimately i am i'm seeing so many people professionals absolutely out on their feet exhausted um and you know, we we spoke about we spoke about the burnout piece, um, and it's very very real. And for all of my, for all of what you'd expect to be expert knowledge of mental well-being, and I have very strong knowledge of mental well-being. No one's immune to it. Um, and I got married in two thousand and nineteen, 
and you know my poor wife um had to look as i um headed headlong into burnout by december of 2019 um within the first so she basically lived the first nine months of our marriage with me um uh, you know diving uh, headlong into um scaling an organization and coming out at the end of it absolutely um destroyed um and it's it's a very unfortunately uh very common um for sort of people and, and ta folks in scale ups um and it's you know sort of uh, we're both members of the, the dbr in-house talent community there's also the rl100 the firm people stories and it's a it's a story that i hear uh, across all of the communities um and is such a, a common theme um and one that i'd like i'd like to see less um for the right reasons um i i couldn't couldn't agree more i i couldn't agree more and um i think so much of it has to has to come down to what we spoke about before strong representation at c-suite not just around well-being but people representation at c-suite who are able to just remind senior leadership that our people are spending so much time looking after everyone else you have a duty of care to look after them um and you know that's absolutely massive um it really is because i think there's a really there's a really good place for communities like dbr um you know i've met some great great people um through through that medium including including yourself and it's become a safe space for people to share where they are it's a safe space away from you know prying eyes for one of a better way it's a space where as professionals we can just be we can be vulnerable and ultimately we spoke at the start of this conversation about the fact that we have made so much progress yeah societally around mental well-being but i'm not sure that that has actually made its way into the workplace and what i mean by this is we've accepted that we don't have to be perfect we've accepted that so many things in life can go wrong we've accepted that mental illness is something that will impact on people but the problem is we still keep on telling ourselves that we can't be vulnerable we keep on telling ourselves in the workplace that we can't show weakness we keep on telling ourselves that we can't ask for help because if it if you know if I ask for help, they're going to think I'm not good enough at my job. Um, we, we, we have this inverse relationship with our mental well-being. So in, on the one hand, we're telling people, be vulnerable, ask for help. But actually, we're finding ourselves incapable of asking for that help. And we're not okay with being vulnerable. We're not okay with saying, actually, I can't, you know, I can't cope. And we're not okay with saying, I haven't got the capacity to deliver this. And until we start empowering people, people to say, I haven't got the capacity, I haven't got the resource. Um, sometimes I haven't got the skills actually because we're asking as I said we're asking HR professionals to be counselor yeah husband wife friend the whole lot and until we empower people to say that um we're we're going to end up making people really ill yeah yeah there's a definitely a, a long way to go there is there is but again we should be encouraged by how far we've come we have yeah yeah it's just it's such a huge difference between 
the earlier parts of of my career um and before i you know came into recruitment and 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 sort of where we are now where you know i can have a sit down with my manager and be like look i've got this and this going on outside of work and i'm okay now but i just wanted to make you aware because if things you know either get a bit worse or things get busier i you know might need to pull back on this project or I might need to use a bit more annual leave than you'd be expecting or, you know, and, and being able to have that conversation has just made such a difference to how I can be at work and how much more comfortable I am in this job compared to jobs much earlier in my career where I, you know, I, there was an immense pressure to be invulnerable. And as soon as I started to show even a slightest chink, you know, conversations about whether, you know, I was enjoying the job, did I want to be here, you know, blah 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 you know start happening and it's so nice to see um and much better and i see it in my peers as well um which is wonderful yeah it makes a massive massive difference and you know as i as I, i'm i'm so fortunate actually um you know he'll he may never listen to this uh, podcast and i hope he doesn't actually but um you know i can't speak highly enough of my uh, of my own manager in that in that regard um again I've, I've said it before, you don't have to have the answers for people, but ultimately what you can, what we can all be as managers and leaders is empathetic, understanding and listen, and just sometimes say, actually, yeah, I know you're not going to hit that deadline. Now let's just get step away, talk about something else, revisit and replan, you know, and just again just just that whole treat people as human beings um and actually take a, a genuine interest in what's impacting their lives yeah definitely for sure it makes such a difference and i think um that's a i think that's a really beautiful note to end on actually <laughs> I um I was going to say just to sort of finish things off we we've, we've covered quite a lot of really really interesting um really powerful and and quite emotional topics um Rohan do you if if people want to explore more if they find they you know want to look at certain places to get support things like that do you have any that you would recommend um that our listeners sort of take a look at Yeah and I mean look depending on the situation that you find yourself in a really good starting point and i'm i'm saying this not from the fact that i'm a trustee um at mind but actually from the fact that i'm a customer so i think you know they've got some incredible resources um uh, for um uh, workplaces um uh, so that you know definitely explore that they've also got a workplace well-being index which really helps you to benchmark where you are in terms of um, well-being well-being provisions um so you know that that's a really good um really good starting point um and beyond that you know again often you will find that your eaps have such great information behind the scenes so i know our our eap for example um it's not just that they get counseling sessions but there's constant seminars webinars um you know and it's definitely worth your time um investing uh in investing uh, just an hour in those just to just to understand what might be uh, going on around you but you know i think you know follow, following the right people um, whether it be on LinkedIn um, as well. And by the way, that doesn't have to be uh, me because uh, most of what I post is we are hiring and scaling at Carbon Clean. If you're a process engineer, I want to speak to you. And actually, if you are a process engineer, I do want to speak to you. But, um, <laughs> you know, you know, ultimately, um, it is. Um, I think there are so many different um resources out there i think it's a case of finding what works for you what works for you for you as an individual and what works for you as a professional um but i, I do think the mind just thinking of the audience who might be listening here um i think uh, mind workplace is a really good starting point wonderful no that sounds fantastic and and thank you so much for for sharing this has been a wonderful conversation um with lots of really useful insights and i think our our audience uh thank you for listening um we'll 
yeah find this really helpful um and i know i have as well so thank you so much for for joining me rohan and um, very welcome thank you and thank you to our audience for listening um this has been talent hacks for scale-ups this podcast is brought to you by zinc Zinc is an all-in-one background and reference checking software that supercharges the capabilities of ambitious HR and hiring teams. Our range of integrated solutions turn bad to brilliant, saving weeks of team time all while building brand love. Thanks for listening.